Gaming Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of June 16th, 2020. And this is officially episode number 439. And this is your host, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at paranormalking.com. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the middle of June. We're halfway through 2020. Can you believe we've made it this far? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking. It's crazy. This is uh, one of those years that I, 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 you know, you get older, it seems like time speeds up. You know, it's just our perspective. You know, when you're a kid, six months seems like five years later on. I mean, I remember uh, waiting for Christmas one year thinking, man, it's been like five years since we had Christmas. And now uh, it seems like a year goes by and it's, it's like a week it's so fast, but uh, almost can't wait for 2020 to, to be over with and, and just start over again. This this is just not a fun year for anybody. I mean, some good things happened for me, but all in all, it's been a horrible year for a lot of people and a lot of things. Um, but today is a special day. Yes, it is. Today is a Tuesday. It's the show. That's the special day. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Today is Paul's birthday. Paul, who is in our chat room, he's been in chat off and on for good grief. I don't know, 15 years? How long have I been doing this show? Not that long. Uh, 10 years. But he's been he's been in the chat room for, I don't know, four or five years, almost half of the, the time I've been on the air. So he's been a fixture. He's He's been, he's been an anchor. He's been a voice of reason. Uh, he's been really and truly very important piece of the chat room because he does help keep Dita from causing too much trouble. He keeps her in line. He's probably the only one that can, to be honest. So happy birthday, Paul. Uh, love having you here every week in the chat room. And uh, got quite a few people here in chat, so I appreciate everybody in chat all the time. And, you know, it's kind of a selfish thing. I, I appreciate everybody who's listening you know what? I even appreciate people who aren't listening. Actually, no, I don't. You should be listening. So no appreciation for that. But anyway, yes, happy birthday, Paul. And uh, thanks for being here for as long as you've you've been. I mean, you could be out uh, having fun right now, gallivanting in the streets, but uh, you're here, and I really appreciate that. Uh, and here's here's some uh, party uh, party stuff here. So if you're at a, a gathering, which you shouldn't be at a gathering with more than 10 people right now, or is it 100? I forget what the thing is now. I, I've lost track of all this COVID stuff. Uh, but if you're, let's say you're in a room with 23 people, did you know you have a 50-50 chance of at least two people having the same birthday? That is weird. Uh, if you have 75 people in the room, you have a 99.9% .9 chance of two people having the same birthday. Trust me, try it. Uh, it's a way to get free drinks. I've done it before. Uh, anyway, um, this is the Paranormal News Insider. We do have some paranormal news for you this week. Um, kind of a strange week. A lot of weird stories all over the place. We got, um, 
we got monkeys, we got alligators, we got weird new creatures discovered, we got uh, a follow-up on a couple of stories, we got ghosts working out, uh, we got people getting stabbed, we got all kinds of stuff. Uh, haunted houses uh, closed up. Talk about that as well. A lot of weird things happening all over the paranormal. And, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll jump into it. So I really haven't done a whole lot of work the last two weeks on the events listing on the website at paranewsinsider.com, the home. I guess this could technically be the home of the Paranormal News Insider. This is where we're at live each and every week. But uh, I guess my non-vocal home, I, I don't know how you'd, you'd say that. But anyway, paranewsinsider.com, the website. Um, haven't done anything on the events page in the last two weeks. It's just, it's been madness the last couple of months with all the changes. Uh, events getting canceled, rescheduled, uh, postponed. A lot of events are, are just not going to happen at all this year. They're going to happen next year. Some are uh, popping up in the fall. Uh, so I'm kind of waiting for a little bit more dust to settle before I jump too far into that. I'll Try to have an update next week a little bit more, uh, depending upon the flow of the news, of course. Uh, that always comes first. Uh, but if any major changes are going to happen, I'll try to figure it out for you because it's it's quite the mess. If you've seen that page, uh, never thought that it would be that bad ever. Uh, but I do have one update this week, the Central Paranormal Convention. I love that one, the way they spell it. Central P.A. Renormal so it's paranormal. Get it? Yeah, that's okay. You'll get it later. Uh, the Central PA Paranormal Convention changed to October 16th through the 18th, uh, not that long ago. But now it's been rescheduled again to later in October. Uh, that's going to be October 30th through November 1st. And that means a great Halloween treat for you if you're going to go to uh, want to go to an event or would that be maybe not a Halloween treat would it be a retreat because you're going to retreat go to it and it's been rescheduled I don't know I'm going too far with that one uh, but I do appreciate uh, John for the update the email letting me know that the uh, changes have happened and if you were running a paranormal conference convention and you've changed uh, Dates. I, I know it's it's really easy to get on social media and let people know, but uh, uh, you know some people listen to the show just for the updates on the paranormal conferences convention. Some people uh, can't stand when I talk about it, but uh, it's a it's a pretty big piece of the paranormal. And uh, another really big piece uh, are books. Yes, books. And I want to mention. Uh, if you weren't listening to the show last week, shame on you. Uh, but also you missed uh, an announcement that I've added the former books of the week. So this was a segment on the show over two years ago. Uh, lasted for a couple of years. Every week, eh, pretty much every week, I was talking about a book. Uh, these books tied into a major topic on the show and kind of gave it a, a book of the week. And so I have well over 100 books on the website now that you can peruse well, not peruse to read or anything like that but uh the uh the book a link to buy the book as well as a link to the specific episode where i talked about the book and these are all books that i've read 
uh, either are part of one of my four bookcases I have here in my shrinking office due to the amount of books I have, uh, or ones that I've gotten from libraries, which are a very good resource when you don't have money to buy more and more books. Uh, but uh, also on the page, I've re-added the Paranormal Poll, if you've not seen this. And just want to take a peek here at some of the uh, – I have three going right now. So speaking of books, one of the questions is, what is your favorite nonfiction paranormal book? And I really didn't give you a way to add your own book, uh, but I did give a list of pretty much two of my favorites in each category. So ghosts, cryptozoology, and UFOs. Uh, kind of two of the what I would think are, are two of the more popular or more well-known books uh, of those, uh, but not from the same authors because that would be easy. And it looks like we've had some more votes since last week. We got a three-way tie. That's crazy. Three-way tie. So we have uh, Cryptozoology A to Z, the Encyclopedia of Loch Ness Monsters, Sasquatch, Chupacabras, and Other Authentic Mysteries of Nature. Written by Lauren Coleman. It's tied with... Uh, actually, no. He's in second. How is he in second? It's a wonderful book. Anyway, he's in second. He's tied with uh, Circular Evidence, a detailed investigation of the flattened swirled crops phenomena by Pat Delgado and Colin Andrews. The Pretty much the premier book on crop circles. Uh, an English United Kingdom piece, which... Uh, Pretty much where a majority of these events happen, but a very, very, uh, you know, it's not really a, a huge topic, but in the 80s it was huge. And this is pretty much the premier book in, in that uh, topic. Uh, but the three-way tie is with Stanton Friedman's Flying Saucers and Science, uh, Lloyd Auerbach's ESP Hauntings and Poltergeists, a, a parapsychologist's handbook, as well as Ghosts, True Encounters with the World Beyond by Hans Holzer. You know the one, the giant one. It's the size of a UPS truck, basically. Um, three-way titles are three fantastic books. And uh, if you have a book that you like, let me know. Uh, let me know on Facebook or message me and say, hey, you need to talk about this book. And even if I've talked about it before, I'll talk about it again. I love books, and I, I think I want to make books... Uh, another part of the show, I got to get the book of the week going. I had a couple of ideas, but I never really got around to uh, kind of write anything up on there. Uh, another hot topic, this has been an ongoing debate in the paranormal field for quite a while. Can there be experts in the paranormal? A lot of people have their own opinions, and they're, you know how opinions are. Everyone's got one. And theirs is always right, and yours is always wrong, Right. Uh, especially right now with all the things going on all over the world. Everyone's got opinions about everything. Uh, but right now, so I have four answers for this question. Can there be experts in the paranormal? I have yes, no. Uh, then I have possibly, then I have maybe, but probably not. So kind of a, a little bit of a range there of answers. And it seems like a majority of people, 57%, say possibly possibly so it's kind of a wishy-washy and possible maybe but maybe not but maybe not maybe not it's just, it's possible so it's a little bit more positive there than than no 
Uh, 29% do say maybe, but probably not. 14% say yes, and nobody, so far nobody, has said no. So leaving that door cracked a little bit, but uh, hopefully I'll get, uh, I have a blog and I'm writing about that. We'll talk about that when I get that uh, blog published probably in the next uh, 20 or 30 years, I'm sure, by the time I get that done. But uh, hopefully, hopefully soon. I was hoping for the beginning of June, but obviously it's uh, the middle of June and we could talk about that the controversial subject. Uh, but for the interim, for right now, Let's jump into some cryptid news this week. Some strange animal sightings. And, and I love strange animal sightings. I, I think it's uh, different than your typical Bigfoot stories that uh, a lot of times are hoaxed or uh, kind of perpetuated by um, recreational drinks and um, other items of uh, interest. Uh, but a couple of strange animal sightings uh, April Holzapel of Alton, Missouri. Well, she had an interesting sighting last weekend, and she described this animal. And this is in her words. She says, quote, from behind it, I thought it was a mountain lion because it was orange and white and it had a big, long tail. And then it turned its head and I saw clearly that it was a monkey. So I got my phone and I thought if I don't get this on video, no one is going to believe me, unquote. So, uh, you know, I'm, I love researching claims of people seeing mountain lions. And I could tell you an overwhelming majority of people who think they see mountain lions, even if they're hunters, misinterpret mountain lions for, for house cats. You'd be amazed at how many times this happens. It, it happens to a lot of people, uh, even people who are trained to see these things or trained to understand what these are or they're seeing a bobcat or something else, but they're not seeing what they're seeing. So what do you think about somebody who says they see a monkey instead of a mountain lion? Well, I could say what you want, but if they get a good, clear picture of it, like she did, as you can see in the uh, picture in the chat room, uh, that's pretty much, I would say that's a monkey. That's a monkey. That's not a, uh, it's not a mountain lion. Um, it's not a cat. Uh, it's not um, it's not a bear, that's for sure. It's not Bigfoot. I don't think so. Uh, but the uh, strange story behind this, the monkey disappeared. So she saw it, and it disappeared, only to reappear a couple of days later. Uh, April was able to uh, track down the owner of the monkey. And the owner of the monkey, uh, she had only had it for a short time. Uh, so she wasn't able to just drive out there, grab it, and throw it in the car, and uh, buy some chicky nuggies on the way back to uh, to lock it back up. So she uh, had to coax it back with some bananas. Of course, monkeys, all monkeys love bananas. I love bananas too. Maybe I'm a monkey. Um, yeah, got this uh, this monkey back home. Apparently, there's some trust issues with the monkey since she only had it a short period of time. I guess you got to build that trust with a monkey. I've never had one. Don't know. Uh, Kind of weird. Uh, the monkey turned out to be a nine-year-old uh, Pattis monkey, P-A-T-A-S, from Africa. Yeah, I see a monkey too. It's a little blurry, I guess, but uh, you can click on that and it blows. Well, it doesn't get too much bigger. Uh, but yeah, little monkey. Hopefully it uh, wasn't shocked 
at all. Anyway, uh, there's actually video of that as well that you can pull from the, uh, the story. Well, some most of the stories have video on it, but I'll throw one in the chat room that has a link to the actual story. You can read a little bit more about this poor little monkey. And uh, yeah, so you don't expect to see this kind of stuff uh, traipsing around southern Missouri, but that's exactly where you saw this. So Alton, Missouri, I think it's southeast Missouri, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, just imagine you're out in your backyard. Yeah, you could technically in that area. There are mountain lions occasionally. Uh, wandering males probably will go through that area. Uh, more so than where I'm at here in Ohio, but uh, still pretty rare, especially in this day and age when they're uh, really killing off any mountain lions that are wandering anywhere at this point. Uh, but he's good. He's healthy. He's home. And hopefully not going to wander around the neighborhood anymore. But yeah, I don't know what I would do if I saw a monkey running through my backyard. It would be pretty cool. And I have all kinds of animals here in my new house here. We have... Uh, skunks we've got chipmunks we've got squirrels we've got deer we've got a piebald deer which is white and brown uh any kind of bird you name it we've got it uh what else i'm missing a whole bunch of stuff but there's all sorts of animals we saw a fox about a half mile from here so all sorts of animals but yeah no monkeys and another animal in the news this week that's uh, wandering around, one of my favorite new topics that really kind of erupted last year. And it was kind of something that I just really started following on my own. And then all of a sudden, a, a major story broke. I was at the right place at the right time with this stuff. Uh, and it continues into 2020. And that is about alligators. Alligators on the loose in the northeast of the United States. They're not supposed to live here. Uh, they don't uh, take too well to cold water. And uh, they're here. We had a scary story last year uh, of a crocodile in Ohio that was in uh, kind of shallow water. It wasn't really a deep river, kind of a creek uh, where children were actually playing in the water. Seven foot long crocodile. So you never know. You, know. you might have a monkey in your backyard or a crocodile in the lake. So be careful where you're stepping and keep an eye out all the time. So uh, this next story, I actually had this picked out. Sometimes I'll find a link and I'll, I'll open it in a tab and it'll just kind of sit there for a while. And I'm just not convinced that it's something that, uh, that I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about on a, a radio show here. But uh, this one just kind of sat there and, you, you know, again, I have... Pretty big excitement about talking about this these alligator sightings because it's really rampant and I, I think it needs a little bit more awareness because people are buying these things at trade shows and uh, wherever else they can get their hands on them and then they realize that they can't take care of them when they get five feet long and they just let them loose. Uh, it's extremely dangerous and it's really sad because it's pretty much uh, for the most part a death sentence for these alligators. Uh, they can't survive. In the cold, the cold water, the cold air for very long, it's not healthy for them. And it's not healthy for them to be in places where they're not used to being, especially for people who are not used to seeing these things. And an alligator uh, can kill somebody. You know, a five-foot-long alligator might not kill an adult, 
but it's possible and can easily kill a, a child or a pet of somebody. So uh, not a good idea to let these things loose, uh, even in states where there are laws against owning these things. If you want to turn it over, uh, more often than not, they're not going to ask any questions. They're not going to do anything as long as you are turning these creatures in without letting them loose. That's the last thing in the world anybody wants. Uh, so I, I picked this thing out back on June 7th. They just kind of sat there, didn't think anything of it. Nothing really developed. So it was pretty much uh, an episode away from getting uh, closed out and forgotten about. Uh, but now, all of a sudden, this uh, story's kind of ramped up a little bit. And uh, back on June 5th, seems like forever ago, Two five-foot-long alligators, a male and a female, were both stolen from Manhattan's Reptile World Pet Store. Now, it's not Manhattan as in New York City, but Manhattan, Kansas, which is actually home to Kansas State University. Uh, now, last week on Wednesday, June 10th, one of the alligators was found near a creek by a man who uh, obviously didn't expect to see an alligator, as he called 911 to report it. An animal control did arrive on the scene, but they were unable to capture it because obviously in Kansas, uh, they're not exactly equipped to catch, trying to attempt to catch alligators, let alone actually catch one. Uh, so they did set out traps, and over the weekend, one of the alligators were captured, but sadly, the trap fell into the Wildcat Creek, and the female alligator drowned. Uh, caught in that trap, they're not able to get to the surface. Now, they can be underwater for uh, quite a while, uh, I think about a half hour on average, depends on the size of the alligator. And uh, unfortunately, this female alligator drowned. Uh, Manhattan Reptile World is hoping that the male alligator is found safe and soon. The uh, pair of alligators were not actually for sale. They were in the store and used to educate people about reptiles, which is really, really sad that they were there to hopefully, you know, teach people like, yeah, you don't want to buy a little guy and have it turn into me in your bathtub. And then somebody steals them and lets them loose anyway. Uh, well, at least the one that we know of. Uh, but really sad that it, it unfortunately... Uh, was killed. And sometimes, uh, you know, with the crocodile that I mentioned, unfortunately, that was uh, put down due to just not being able to handle something like that in a state that's not, they're not equipped uh, to handle alligators. It's just not something that we deal with. Kind of like when it snows at Atlanta. If you've ever been down south, when it snows, it's utter chaos. And same goes here in the Northeast when we have a, a, an alligator swimming around our ponds. Not really something we want to see so in the chat room there is the link to that story and if you're not able to be in the chat room you're not able to listen to the show live trust me i understand so what i do during the week is i will put these links out through facebook which is also connected to twitter that twitter thing that all these kids are doing tweeting out things through my socials I got to be hip, getting old, but I got to be hip and cool to the young, young crowd out there. Anyway, uh, so yeah, my put it out on Facebook. It's connected to Twitter, and Facebook is Paranews Insider. So Facebook.com forward slash Paranews Insider, and Twitter is 
at Paranews Insider. Yeah, uh, UFO news. So we got some UFO news. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes these stories are really frustrating. And I don't want to talk about them because I just don't understand sometimes how people believe things that they see. But this one has gotten a lot of attention, so it's, it's, maybe it's, a, it's an educational thing that I'll talk about this story this week. So, yeah, I'm at a loss sometimes when I read some of these stories of UFO videos, especially videos. Uh, so one of the more common types, and we've talked about a few on the show, even just this in the last few months this year, um, it's the type taken out of a, an airplane window. And you either see the contrail of another jet or you see another jet and it's interpreted as a UFO. It's, there's a lot of things that we don't understand when we're locked in a, a, uh, a metal tube flying at over 300 miles an hour and looking out a window and seeing other metal tubes with exhaust coming out that are flying also over 300 miles an hour. We're not used to this. It's not something a lot of us do all the time especially through a couple of panes of plastic that kind of distort what we're seeing a little bit. Then again, I think sometimes people post this stuff because it's they get the monetary value out of it. You get uh, YouTube hits. You get uh, people get paid to get these stories out there. Not a whole lot of money, but it's, you know, you do a few a month. You could pay some bills uh, with this stuff. But uh, anyway, last year, so this video is from last year. It finally made its way to uh, the uh, social media world, which usually doesn't take too long. But it does take some time sometimes. But last year, a passenger was flying from Phoenix to Portland, Phoenix, Arizona, to Portland, uh, Oregon, when they filmed a strange-looking sight out of the window. Of course they did. They saw a dark object in the sky. Could have been a cloud. Could have been another jet. Could have been, but it wasn't. No, this thing had two long tentacles hanging down behind it, which then, as the jet continued to fly, it moved. The tentacles moved. Oh my gosh, this is this is this is really scary. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. I should have saved this for the last part of the show. This could scare children. They might not be able to sleep tonight about a large tentacled creature in the sky. Now, some people are stating that this is an alien aircraft uh, disguised as the contrail of a jet, I suppose. And others are convinced this is an undiscovered airborne creature. This is a brand new animal uh, science has never seen. I mean, you know, we always talk about uh, how many animals are left undiscovered in the oceans. Have we seen all the way down the deepest trenches. Actually, we have, and there's garbage down there, but have we been able to document all the animals? Probably not. But yes, some people have dubbed this a sky squid. You're pretty close, Paul. You said flying squid. But yes, sky squid. So somebody's going to have, there's going to be a Latin name for this. Squidius Skyus or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, some was also some people have also suggested that this uh, it's not just one sky squid 
It's multiple si- sky squid. Do you say squids or squid? I think it's just squid, like deer. Deer and deer are singular and plural. You don't say deers. Unless it's two John Deers, then you can say deers. Uh, anyway, uh, some think it's two sky squid that are mating. So they're having little sky squids. Whoops, I mean sky squid, I guess. Uh, yeah, I do have a picture. So you can see this. Uh, and this is just scary. I mean, again, you got to remember, this is a, a new species, a new creature, a new animal caught in the sky. And what you'll see here is two images. The image on the left is, uh, happened before the, uh, well, the image on the right. So, yeah, you can tell. Look, it moved. Whew. It has absolutely nothing to do. Again, with the fact that you're sitting in a, uh, a metallic tube flying through the air at over 300 miles an hour. And you're moving past other objects that may seem to move, but really you're moving. So your perspective changed. Nothing to do with that whatsoever. Simple physics, get out of here. Science can explain everything. No, sir. Well, actually, it can. And it, and it pretty much did. Uh, I did right there. Uh, I mean, come on. I just don't understand how scientists, let alone pilots who fly uh, all over the world constantly. You know, people have been flying for 20, 30, 40 years. Many days a week. Hopefully they get a day off every now and again. But I'm sure, you know, lots of thousands of hours in the sky flying and no one's ever spotted a creature this big. Now all we have to do is, uh, I guess... We got to catch one, right? We got to put it in a zoo. We got to come up with a sky squid net. Jeez. So, yeah, I did uh, share this startling photo of this new sky squid in the chat room. And uh, I should have, you know, I should have put this away. You know, that it's, 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 some people could find this very disturbing. And uh, I know I was deeply disturbed by this as well. And I was deeply disturbed because it seemed pretty simple to me to identify what this was. I, I don't know. Am I thinking too hard? It seems like it's a contrail of another jet moving away from this one. And the viewer uh, simply moved across the line of sight, making the contrail appear to move. It, uh, it wasn't moving. Uh, you were moving. I know it's confusing physics and this isn't a physics show, but it seems like it happens a lot. People say this object was moving super, super fast. Yeah, I've seen, I've had a jet. Uh, we got one pretty close, so close you could hear it through the jet. I don't know how that happened, but yeah, it seemed like it was moving awful fast, of course. Probably approaching 600 miles an hour of of speed between the two of us. So scary things can happen. Um, but uh, again, I wonder if people make these claims or they put these stories out on purpose so that, uh, you know, going to make a nickel on it or a dime. Uh, but YouTube channels like, I don't know, the Hidden Underbelly might publish something like that. Yeah, I mean, do you get, I mean, it's not just UFO stuff. I mean, we've talked about it uh, in cryptozoology, especially with Bigfoot videos and ghost videos, especially with... Uh, fishing line and different things uh, all over the time. But um, 
It's funny because the story actually reminded me of Skyfish. And Skyfish was a story years and years ago. Uh, they were called rods or air rods. And some people still believe in this stuff, but uh, it's pretty much completely disproven. Uh, it was just a photographic anomaly. Uh, got a lot of attention, so much attention in the paranormal field that uh, uh, it's more it was thought of a of a alien type thing. Uh, but scientists got a hold of this, and I believe it was um, somewhere in New Mexico. I don't know if it was Area 51 where people were seeing these things, and they thought it was alien spacecraft or something. But uh, scientists wanted to figure out what was going on, and it turned out to be uh, basically motion blur with cameras, uh, video equipment, uh, different things like that. So birds and other insects captured in flight with motion blur. This is just a blatant video, and if you watch the, the video, basically you're seeing what's in those pictures, and you can just slowly see this contrail go by, and it just moves. I mean, obviously the jet's probably turning as well, so that's creating the illusion that this thing is moving but it's not it's not it's, things just really drive me crazy but uh we got to set this the record straight i mean could it could it be a, a new creature sure sure it could be but uh, is it uh, probably not more than likely not so if you're interested in seeing the video the sky squid the elusive sky squid i'll throw that link in the chat room. Place it gently, I should say. There it is. There we go. So also in the UFO uh, field this week, well, we've got finally have a resolution. And I love when stories come to an end. They basically have a resolution. We've figured it out or we come and say, yes, it's a hoax. Yes, it was real. Or, hey, this is what happened. Unfortunately, this one fits in the hoax bin. Uh, so since we're on the topic of fake videos, the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, or I guess you could call it the Mutual Unidentified Flying Object Network, which is so weird to, to say that. But um, yeah, MUFON uh, has finally responded about the purported UFO crash in Brazil. Uh, back in May, reports, photos, and video of purported UFO sightings, as well as a crash began to circulate through social media uh, stemming out of Brazil. And what helped fuel the supposed sightings uh, and the stories was the claim that a vast number of pieces of media, as well as posts accompanying them, were disappearing from social media as if they were being removed by some sort of shadowy presence dare I say, men in black? UFO stories are more believed, I guess, if they are tied into a conspiracy theory, apparently, uh, especially UFO stuff. Conspiracy theories, UFO stories, now pretty much all in the same bag. Right there, paper bag, um, potato sack, I don't know what kind of bag it is, but... Uh, yeah, the event purportedly occurred in a forested area near Guanabara Bay, which is about uh, 15 miles or so as the uh, sky squid flies. 
northeast of Rio de Janeiro. And so Rio is uh, right there on a the bay, and you go back, I guess that would be northeast uh, into a large wooded area. That's supposedly where this uh, UFO crashed. Uh, Universo Online, or UOL, stated there was no record of this event, especially within the Brazilian Air Force. So no, nobody was scrambled. Nothing was gone out, uh, despite a lot of the stories that accompanied this. Uh, Adamar Jose Gavard, the Brazilian director for MUFON, also came to the conclusion this case was a hoax. And he said, quote, it started with a fake audio about a supposed UFO crash published over the net, later assumed to be a fabrication by the female author. As time went on, the story got bigger and bigger every day, with many alleged witnesses making all sorts of claims, all disconnected from each other, all exaggerated, and mostly lies, unquote. So it kind of, uh, and this is the problem with social media. When something occurs, other people want to be a part of it, especially if it becomes popular, so everybody starts chiming in on it sharing it, adding things to it. It's kind of like the uh, te- kind of the telephone game. You know, you, you sit around and somebody whispers something in their ear and then it gets around the room. And by the time it comes back to the original person, you started out saying, uh, Joe's shoe is untied. The next thing you know, it's, it's uh, Holly was abducted by a UFO after five people. So kind of the same thing, but it's just the truth kind of gets blurred by all the the people that want to get involved or people are just jump on the bandwagon and make things up some people know it's a hoax but they add information to it and some people take it too seriously and and really try to take it in a different direction unfortunately this happens uh, but it's uh, basically determined to be nothing more than a hoax despite the conspiracy theory and a lot of people thinking that uh, there was actually something happened but a lot of people after the fact, have created things to try to make this a little bit more than what it really was, uh, which is sad, uh, but we have that. Uh, but as long as we can uh, research this and we can uh, come to the conclusions that we, we have with this case, that we've uh, determined that it was derived from a hoax, uh, then that's good. Sometimes it's not that easy to figure these things out. Uh, let me see. Guys, we talk about chicken sandwiches. Don't do that. You're making me hungry. All right. See if this works. Plop. All right. Hopefully that works. So the link in the chat room. And again, don't worry if you're not listening live in the chat room. I will put these links out through social media. So I may be talking about putting links in the chat room, uh, but you'll have access to these links. And yeah, of course. You're probably a grown-up. You know how to. You know how Google works. You can Google things. But uh, sometimes uh, I try to take these stories from as original of a source as I can, so it's not, you know, added to, copied, pasted, and somebody else adds their own uh, take on it, or media isn't taken out of it, or anything else. So it's uh, sometimes it's the more popular links. Sometimes it's not. Uh, but I do try to to make sure it has the best information uh, as possible. And speaking of getting the best information as possible, 
There's a new story out of the Scottish Sun. There's a lot of those UK things. I'm sorry, I have to I have to say this. Uh, those magazines, those uh, websites, they're really irritating with some of the stuff that they publish. But uh, this this is a really good story. I really appreciated this and uh, uh, gives a really good shout out to uh, to a really simple resource that is really underutilized. Uh, but apparently, Scotland is having a, a slow news week, I guess. Uh, on Sunday, the Scottish Sun published a story titled Alien Tracker. These eerie Google Maps reveal Scottish UFO and U.S. Bigfoot sightings. The story talked about two different entries on Google My Maps. So with Google My Maps, you can create and edit your own points on a map to highlight areas of interest. And if you really want to, you can share it with the world or you can use it for your own evil purposes, whatever that is. Uh, the first link shared by the article highlights the work of the Crypto Crew. Their map shows mostly Bigfoot sightings in the United States, but also UFO reports and other random reports such as Dogman and Thunderbird sightings here in the United States, uh, that are sent their way. So reports that they've gathered, that have been sent to them, uh, this is how they kind of mark where they happened, which is uh, brilliant. It's obviously not down to an address or anything like that. Just general thumbtacks, little, you know, just placements here. It's not meant to be like in some guy's backyard. Uh, but they also have reports in Scotland and Australia, which is why they ended up in the Scotland paper uh, online paper there so really interesting uh, the second map was created by an anonymous user it contains random ufo sightings around the world and while the crypto crew page is updated uh, seemingly as cases are coming in i know there's a, a couple that were added this year from looking at it uh, the second one seems to be a blend of a few historical cases stuff that happened 30 40 50 years ago along with some current ones uh, but I don't think I saw anything that said 2020 on it. But the information about each case is minimal. So I'm not sure where they got the uh, the um, the information from. I don't think it's actually from submissions to them, but it could be. But we don't know who this person is that's entering all this information. But, uh, you know, I've always admired, and I've talked about this on the show before, uh, MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, how they do have... Uh, their sightings, uh, you can go in there and you can look up some stuff, even if you're not a member. Uh, they don't have a map per se, but they do have, well, they do have the live map on the front page. Uh, but it, it doesn't really give you all the historical cases. And it would be really nice to be able to see a map, but uh, the amount of cases that they get they, would be kind of hard to do that, I think. But uh, at least listing them and you can search by state, county, city, all these things. Uh, that's unprecedented in pretty much anywhere else in the paranormal. So uh, it's great to see this map technology utilized in a way to tie together cases, tie together sightings, uh, so that other cryptozoologists, other researchers in various fields, UFOs or whatever, uh, can, can share with other people and other people can see what's happening. Uh, not, again, you got to be careful though, because just because somebody said they saw something 
and you get another report in the general area, it doesn't give it any more credence that it actually happened. Uh, so you have to take these things at face value. A report is a report. Uh, it depends on how much investigated or what evidence you can find. The data that accompanies that report should stand on its own. Two individual reports really don't roll into proof. Uh, it's still data. It's still evidence individually. Um, you know, unless multiple people are seeing something at the same time in regards to a UFO, it gives it a little bit better potential for being solved. But we have to be kind of weary at how we're looking at, at data. But nonetheless, I think it's still a fantastic way to share information with other researchers. And do I, did I, I think I did. I think I have that link available for you guys. I'll throw that in the chat room as well. So this is, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it was just a slow news week. They just decided to write, write about two random websites, but uh, it's pretty good. Whoa, everybody all right in there? Whew, that was close. Uh, so that's your UFO news for the week. We have a couple of ghost ones as well. So we have all three categories represented this week, which is fantastic. Can't say that all the time. Um, ghost hunting. A lot of people don't like that term, ghost hunting. Um, some people say paranormal investigation, where when I first started out way back in the mid-1990s, uh, ghost hunting was going to cemeteries, uh, being invited, sometimes paid to go to places that now you pay five, $600 for four hours of running around a dark building. Sometimes we were paid. We were allowed to camp out in some of these places. Um, back then, you kind of called it, you did call it ghost hunting. It was just kind of what we did. It wasn't hunting per se to capture anything or to kill anything. It was more of our imaginations trying to find and connect with the environment. But over time, you hone your experience and you became a paranormal investigator. And to me, becoming a paranormal investigator was when we started to help people in homes, in houses. But again, like opinions, everyone's got their own uh, version of what ghost hunting and paranormal investigation is. But that's just, that's just my take. That's my penny and a quarter after inflation. So ghost hunting... Uh, paranormal investigation, whatever you want to call it. I call it ghost investigation because it's a blur. of There's there's no such thing anymore of either thing. Um, paranormal investigation is just ghost hunting now with it's, it's gadgets and tools and technology. We don't even care about the people that are in the house anymore. It's just weird. Uh, but anyway, without going down that political landscape, um, yeah, you know, I can look back on, on my times. I could say, you know, most of the time, investigating it's pretty boring you know it's not scary as much as it is boring especially when you're outside sometimes you get cold you get wet especially your shoes get wet when it gets when it gets cool out in the evening yeah it gets grass gets wet um tripping and falling and hazardous materials and broken bricks and tripping over stuff falling through floors a lot of things can happen when you're ghost hunting or paranormal investigating, you might get locked in the basement by some crazy guy who just really wants attention. So he's going to keep you around for a few decades in his, his basement. I don't know, for strange things. Um, I mean, you might have a few 
nerve-wracking moments sprinkled in with a lot of goofing off, if, especially if they have a large group of people. And I can tell you, as a former leader of a group, sometimes, sometimes tempers flared over processes and procedures, but uh, this story is a little bit beyond that. It's a little bit beyond crazy, beyond anything that you would expect to happen as a ghost investigator, ghost hunter, paranormal investigator, whatever you want to call yourself. Last Tuesday, Little Rock police officers, Little Rock, Arkansas, police officers responded to a roadway in and suites of a report of a man who said he was kidnapped and stabbed. A couple serious allegations right there. Uh, the incident occurred prior to 2 a.m. when the man, a woman, and another man, 31-year-old Mark Anthony Galloway, drove out of a cemetery after, quote, and I quote, paranormal hunting, unquote. And I got to tell you, uh, I've been doing this for a long time, well over 24 years now, uh, been on podcasts, I've written a whole bunch of books, I've had this show uh, for over 10 years, was it 11 years now, I've lost count, 300 some odd shows, whatever I said at the beginning of the hour. And I'll tell you, this is the first time I've ever heard the term paranormal hunting, ever. Uh, as the three people left in the vehicle, this gets complicated, the woman told Galloway to stop the car as she couldn't breathe. So I don't know if she was hysterical, if she was laughing, uh, or if she had a health issue. I don't really know at this point. Uh, so she couldn't breathe. So she asked Galloway to stop the car. So, I mean, if somebody's driving a car and they're not stopping, what would you do? I mean, she did what I think anyone would do who couldn't breathe while in the car would do. She tried to take the keys out of the ignition. Of course, because that works. Try it next time. You drive it down the freeway. Okay, it doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. Uh, the man in the back seat also tried to get control of the vehicle. But then he was stabbed by Galloway. How? I don't know. Uh, I guess seatbelts weren't a thing in this car. What kind of car this was. And I can't even imagine what kind of conversation went on in this vehicle uh, that led up to this. Uh, so the unnamed man had stab wounds in his thigh and torso. And Galloway had cuts on his chin and left hand. Galloway was charged with felony first-degree battery and false imprisonment and was being held at the Pulaski County Jail. Galloway has previous arrests, oh, shocker, for drug possession, aggravated assault, and false imprisonment. I mean, what led to this? And were they all together in the hotel? Motel? Whatever it was? I mean, hopefully this wasn't about pictures of orbs. Very, very well might have been. I don't know. But a weird, spooky situation down in Arkansas. And I've had a lot of weird stuff happen in my time investigating. Uh, lots of stories I could tell you. Uh, but I've never been stabbed by a person. Uh, so another video this week, a, a ghost video this week, getting a lot of attention. Uh, a viral video out of India has been getting a lot of attention. Uh, so it's actually a, a police video. Well, not really a police video, a video where police are standing around filming 
and somebody's filming the police filming, which is really cool. Uh, they're filming outdoor exercise equipment that seems to be moving on its own. Spooky. Uh, India uh, pretty much uh, it's a little bit behind the United States in getting again paranormal investigation to become popular, but it's pretty much now one of the most popular topics. Uh, in India, it's probably more popular than in the United States right now. Uh, a lot of Paris celebs have been on TV shows that have really helped boost the popularity uh, in India, including a, a good friend of mine, Gaurav Tiwari, who sadly uh, passed away. It's been almost four years ago and is uh, sorely missed. Very excellent researcher, investigator, and a big voice uh, for India and the ghost investigation field and the UFO field as well. Uh, while the United States has a solid belief system in ghosts, uh, as well, I guess you could say a large legion of skeptics as well. Uh, India, on the other hand, they've got the same, but they've also got a lot of other beliefs in the middle of all this. A lot of old school beliefs of, of magic and, and uh, mythology that, that kind of blur the lines between skeptics and believers. And it makes things a little bit more difficult to discern what reality really is. Uh, so in this video, there is two shoulder press machines. So you sit on this machine. Um, so you sit facing away from, well, I guess it's kind of hard to explain, but you're facing away from this machine basically. And these handles come down uh, over your shoulders and you just kind of push up. And it uses your weight to, uh, to counteract with this machine. So there's no weight, you know, you're not uh, pulling the little pin and putting in the weight kind of situation. It's more just uh, your own physical weight that's providing the resistance for this machine. Uh, well, it started moving on its own. Nobody was sitting in the seats. So what was it? Was it wind? No, it wasn't wind. Was it fishing line? I don't think so. But the equipment does move on its own. But it's after a push start by a living person. So once the equipment is set in motion, it will continue to move for some time. And the reason for that is it was overly greased. So there is another video uh, uploaded on Saturday showing kids pulling down on the equipment. They walk up to it's motionless. Other people are around in the park. Uh, it's motionless. These kids walk up to it. They pull it down, and it starts going on its own for a while. Well, that is until the kids climb all of the equipment. Uh, so despite how cool the video looks, and I was kind of stumped for a minute. I was watching this. I was like, I don't think I have an explanation for this. This is pretty cool. Maybe this is legit. Uh, but no. No. Uh, no ghosts there. It's just overly greased equipment. Some people have that problem, I suppose. Uh, so I'll throw that link in the chat room as well. And again, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll have those throughout the week. It's a pretty big story, too. I'm sure it's going to get out there a little bit. And uh, well, one last story tonight, this week. Um, kind of weird. And it's something, it's just weird to talk about this. It's June. And I'm about ready to talk about haunted houses. And I guess for some people, you know, October can't get here quick enough. Halloween, uh, it's an awesome holiday. 
Um, second biggest hol- hol- holiday next to Christmas, pretty much, in a lot of aspects, uh, be it alcohol consumption. Um, I think more cupcakes are bought in Halloween than for Christmas. Um, candy, obviously a big one. Uh, but it's story also borders a conversation that I was having actually having a couple of days ago, because here in Ohio, uh, we have a giant amusement park and they're announcing it's going to start opening. And I'd heard that face coverings were going to be mandatory. And my question was, so how are they going to deal with people wearing face coverings when they're on rides? Because it wouldn't make sense to have people standing six foot apart in a queue line just to get on the line right next to somebody else uh, with no mask on, screaming and yelling, and probably spitting all over each other. just doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, you can't take it off on a roller coaster because if you scream and you're in the front row, everybody behind you is going to get infected. I know, it's weird. That's the kind of stuff I think about. Uh, The International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, or the IAAPA, which sounds like a new kind of beer. Uh, Well, they tagged themselves as the Global Association for the Attractions Industry. The IAAPA doesn't care that it's June. They're already thinking about October, or again, Halloween. So Halloween, yes, it's a huge moneymaker here in the United States. And haunted houses uh, make a pretty big dent in the amount of money spent on the holiday itself. According to the article on Yahoo.com, which I found out that they got it from somebody else, because I found the quote, um, Americans spend between $300 and $500 million each year on haunted house tickets. And there are thousands of haunted house attractions nationwide, uh, really worldwide. And a lot of these are actually charitable ones. So the industry wants to find a way to still stay open, but also keep people safe. So, of course, uh, with the opening of haunted houses, uh, just the same as in amusement parks, there's going to be some rules, uh, including social distancing rules in place. And so uh, apparently gone are the days of being chased by somebody with a chainsaw or somebody screaming in your face. Uh, because you can't do that now. Can't put people in that predicament. Uh, some suggestions from industry insiders include using plexiglass and increased sound technology. So we might go from the visual, so uh, blood-soaked costumes, to now a major change into blood-curdling screams from surround sound speakers. I don't know. Uh, when I heard the word plexiglass, kind of reminded me of Disney's Haunted Mansion. I mean, really, and I love talking about this topic. One of my favorite topics when you're talking about ghosts. Uh, one of the best gimmicks ever used, and it's very old, but yet it, it fools anybody to this day. And that is Pepper's Ghost, one of my favorite things. Pepper's Ghost uh, gets its name from John Pepper. can't remember his his middle name, and it's not doctor, uh, who created the modern-day method of reflecting light through glass or from glass uh, to create a transparent image that resembles a ghost. It's very simply done, and you can do it yourself, and it's really amazing at how well it works. And uh, I guess one of the best examples and the largest example of Pepper's Ghost set up in the world 
It's uh, 30 feet by 90 feet, by the way, if you're keeping track at home. Uh, is the Ghosts in the Haunted Mansion down in Disney World, uh, D- Disneyland as well. Uh, so they're sitting around a table and they appear to be dancing around the room. And they look like they're really there. That's uh, amazing. Uh, I remember I rode that ride just for that time. I didn't care about all the other illusions and things that were going on. I just wanted to see the ghosts. And I wanted to see the ghost sitting in the car with me. I thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, so it's simple, super simple to create. Again, and you can it does fool a lot of people. Uh, new technology that we've seen, uh, probably remember, was it 2012, the remake of Tupac Shakur. Uh, they've done uh, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, a growing list of other uh, singers through this uh, 3D technology. A lot of people call it a hologram. What's well, not? It's actually a version of Pepper's Ghost. It's just an updated version of Pepper's Ghost. We can make somebody appear as though they're completely uh, solid standing there on stage. It's it's amazing. And it's all the same concept of Pepper's Ghost. So as far as haunted houses are concerned, uh, it's going to change. It's pretty sad when you think about it. Uh, it could totally change them back to how they used to be. So, you know, a lot of people think, well, haunted houses have been around forever. Well, not really. Uh, in this latest incarnation, that they're really not that old. Well, I guess it's a matter of numbers. Uh, so I guess 100 and, 105 years is pretty old. But, you know, thinking about this type of thing, you know, traditions, I guess this. I guess that is a long time. Uh, haunted houses might make their way back to where they actually came from before they were popular, and that's the garage. So before 1915, which was the uh, the first recorded haunted attraction, it was uh, in the United Kingdom. It was called Orton and Spooner Ghost House. So before that, uh, many of these attractions were in people's houses, backyards, or garages. And they had their own haunted houses. And, uh, you know, the industry pretty much stole this from from people and uh, created this industry. But now it's it's in threat. Uh, how are they going to scare people and keep their distance? Uh, you know, actually, I think in, in Ohio here, we have laws against that. I know in Pennsylvania, it's a contact state. You can get knocked over, knocked down, punched. All those fun things that I uh, really don't like to get done in real life, so I wouldn't pay to have somebody else do that. Um, but yeah, I think pretty sure here in Ohio, this non-contact, the last time, I, I don't know, I don't really go to those anymore that much, but uh, how is it going to change these? Is it going to ruin it forever, or is it going to make a new version of haunted houses? So kind of food for thought. We got a couple of months to kind of see how that's going to play out. But right now, I think a lot of people are excited to get out there, go to the amusement parks, uh, go watch movies. I really want to go to a movie theater. I think that would be kind of fun uh, to relive my childhood, actually go to a movie again. Seems like so long. Um, But until then, yeah, stay safe. Keep each other safe. And uh, I don't know. I got lots of other advice, but uh, I guess I'll keep it to there. But... And I guess I'll give you a little bit more advice because advice is always good. I'm not telling you what to do, but since I'm going to see you next week, I want to make sure 
that you keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing, because I said so. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.